Welcome to week one of our new sermon series entitled The Confusing Things That Pastor Bill Says. <laughs> that could be a whole year-long series. <laughs> For those of you who work with, no, I'm just kidding. Confusing Things That Christians Say. And we're excited for it this week and the next five weeks to unpack some phrases that might be confusing to you, you might have been confused by, or if you use them, others that you are in the circle of friendship with might be confused when you do. Uh, so maybe a better understanding for you, or maybe the understanding you need to, to not confuse them, is the goal of what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, and we're excited for it here at 922 Ministries. So about a year and a half ago, uh, my wife volunteered me to be the association president of our condo. I was really confused when she did it. I've even been more confused since about the role that I have. Like I thought maybe I'd have to lead a few meetings, maybe I'd have to answer a few disgruntled people's emails, maybe I'd have to address a few condo issues, but I did not know what I was really getting into. Like there are a whole lot of things that an association has to do, that a board has to do, that a president gets the great opportunity to do. Thank you, honey, I love you very much. Like, did you know that as a condo association president, when someone else sells their condo, you have a whole lot of involvement. Like you get paperwork from the bank, you get paperwork from the realtor, you get paperwork from the title company, asking you to answer a whole lot of questions and check a whole lot of boxes about a whole lot of stuff I have no clue in. Like I hope I don't get in trouble for checking all the boxes that I did this last time and that that sale goes through. Like there's a lot of confusing things that I've learned are a part of the world in which condo association boards and presidents live. This was probably on great display about two weeks ago when I met with a man to go over some external work that we need to get done on some of our condos. We need some uh, downspouts buried, some sump pump lines trenched, uh, and it needs to be done. It's causing some issues. And, and one of our association people, someone who lives in the condo, had a friend uh, who he got advice from in order to do it, who does it for a living as a side job. And he set up a meeting with me and this gentleman to walk him around the property to show him what needed to be done. And, and when he got there, he asked a few questions about what we were looking to do. I kind of pointed out some different things about what we need to accomplish. We just need to trench some downspouts and some sump pump lines. Like, do you think you can do this? And, and then he started making recommendations. Like he talked about things like a French drain and drain tile and depth matters and PCP pipes of all sorts of different sizes. And, and, and I'm just like nodding my head and I'm playing along and, and then he's giving me more options and, and the guy next to me said, well, I think we should do this, this, and this. And he looked at me and goes, sound good? I'm like, sounds good. <laughs> like I had no clue. I don't know if I just signed over my firstborn child's child. Sorry, Ada. Like confusing things happen all the time when someone speaks a language that you're not familiar with. Like at your workplace, there's probably a lingo that, that you have, no matter what line of work you're in. If you're in the medical field, if you're in the dental field, if you're in the field of law, if you're in the field of construction, like the ways in which you talk uh, and, and the words that you use, someone who, who understands it and, and does it or has experience with it would, would not shake their head and go, sounds good. They would maybe ask questions or point out a detail, and, but they would definitely understand. Like it's the same with hobbies. 
Like if your hobby is smoking meat like Pastor Jim, you can have a great conversation with him about the different wood chips you use, how long you cooked it for, what temperature did you get it to, like how long did it take? And, and if you want to come and find out smoking advice from me, I'm going to have no clue if you're talking about meat or other things. Like, like people who have similar hobbies speak the same lingo. The same can be said of sports, right? Like it, if you know soccer, you know that you don't call it a game. You call it a match. Pastor Mike corrected me the other day. He was thoroughly offended and confused by what I was talking about. But if you're on the inside, if you've played soccer, you know all the lingo and everything that's happening. But for a lot of people, they don't understand soccer. They only know if you score more goals than the other team scores, yay America, we won, right? The rest of it you might not get. The lingo the announcers have might be confusing to you. Like in lots of areas of our life, there's insider language that we're a part of and and then sometimes we're on the outside of it. And perhaps no place in all of our life and world today where insider language confuses not just those on the inside, but, but people on the outside is the Christian church. Like, I'm guilty as charged. Us pastors, sorry, Jake, you're going to be learning a whole lot of insider language over the next few years. And when you get assigned as a pastor and you start using those words, people are going to be like, sounds good. And they have no clue what you just said. Big fancy words, whole lot of depth. Sometimes we talk in ways that it's hard to understand. And the same is true for Christians amongst other Christians. And it's definitely true for you as Christians who have non-Christian friends. You might use some phrases that you think are very easy to understand, but they're very confusing. So no matter what area of life it is in, or if it's in our spiritual lives, here's the problem when it comes to insiders versus outsiders, when it comes to certain language that might be used. When you don't get it, no matter what it is, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a job, when you don't get it, you can't appreciate it or apply it. Like when you don't get it, you can't apply it. I mean, when you don't get it, you can't appreciate it. Like you can go online and find out a whole lot of things about the medical field. Like you can try and self-diagnose and, and figure out what you might have, but, but if you're not a doctor, some of the language you're going to find and some of the things they're talking about are going to leave you scratching your head and, and you, know, you won't know what direction to go down. You can't apply it properly. That's why it's great when you can't get it. There's people in fields like that who are on the inside who can speak it to you in a way that can help you appreciate it and also can speak knowledge so that you can apply what needs to be done. And there are some things when you're not on the inside that aren't that big a deal. Like, if you can't understand the lingo of, of that person's hobby or, or that sporting event, it doesn't matter to eternity. Like, you can enjoy a game for it simply being a game. If, if it's your team and they end up winning, you'll, you'll feel good at the end and, and you can move on if you don't have all the appreciation for it. But there are things in life when you don't get it, you not only can't appreciate, you can't apply it and you need help. And that's why this series is so important and perhaps why from a Christian perspective, a spiritual perspective, it matters because if you don't get some things when it comes to what the Bible says, it does matter to eternity. Like it's a matter of life or death. Sometimes when there are confusing things that that people say, when someone doesn't get it, you know what it causes them to do? When it comes to their relationship with God, they run in the other direction. Sometimes when people don't get it, 
It causes them to doubt God or maybe doubt other words that are found in the Bible. Like when you don't get something, you can't appreciate, you can't apply it, and it matters from a spiritual perspective. Like just nodding your head and saying, sounds good. If you don't get it, you might be missing out on so much. That is great. Which is why what we're going to do the next few weeks, I pray as a blessing to you so that you don't say confusing things to others so you can not be confused when others say it so that, that maybe some of the things that you have scratched your head about, you might find a new appreciation for and apply it to your life in a, in a beautiful way as a child of God. Which is why I love that we're going to begin in week number one with a confusing thing that Jesus said. <laughs> Probably not with the intention of confusing, but it, it caused confusion. Jesus is going to use a phrase with a man who was very religious, who was probably well-versed in the Old Testament, and he entered into that conversation with some confusion. Like the word and phrase we're going to talk about today is used as an adjective at times and sometimes used as a verb. Maybe you've heard it. Have you heard someone ever refer to themselves as a born-again Christian? Like, I'm a, I'm a born-again Christian. Some people use that phrase to describe themselves. Have you scratched your head? Have you wondered... Is that biblical? Does our pastor speak that way? Is it Lutheran? Is it, what does it mean? Or maybe you've heard it as a verb, I've been born again. Like an action has taken place. And I, I pray and hope that today as we unpack it, as we hear Jesus say it, we can learn from him in the Bible about the truth God would have us appreciate and apply of what this phrase means, that you are not confused, but you actually celebrate the, the truth that that the Bible gives to us about this phrase and can not be confused any longer, but be appreciative of, of all that it is. And to really appreciate it for what it is, to apply it properly, uh, to not be confused, I'm going to give you the context. It's John chapter 3, maybe one of those famous chapters in all the Bible because of verse 16. But what leads up to it is an amazing, interesting conversation uh, with, from, uh, taking place between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. And here's what transpires as God inspired John to record it. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now, there's a whole lot in there before we go on to the, the verse and the phrase. Like, Nicodemus was a member of the, the ruling body of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, the Special 70, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who, who were the religious leaders of his day and age. This is Nicodemus. He's one of them. So he's a religious man in general. He's a member of the Pharisees. But I would tell you that he was confused spiritually. I would also tell you that I don't necessarily know if he had faith in God at this point. You can tell that by his question. Because remember, what, what were the Pharisees doing the minute Jesus came on the scene? questioning him, trying to discredit him. They looked down on him like they tried to, to undermine him and his ministry. What Nicodemus saw with his eyes was opposed to what he was hearing from his friends and his fellow ruling members of the Sanhedrin. Like Jesus, Nicodemus says, we know you're a teacher. You're a powerful teacher. We've seen you at work who's come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Like, what Nicodemus is seeing in his eyes is confusing him because what he's hearing from his friends and others is that Jesus is not God. But what Nicodemus was seeing was he's doing God things. 
And so Nicodemus wanted to get answers, but he didn't want to get discredited. So he came at night under the cloak of darkness to hopefully get some insight because he was confused. And Jesus follows up those words with this. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Like, probably had a long gray beard. He was, had been up there for, uh, his numbers are up there age-wise. Like, Nicodemus heard Jesus say it, but he didn't understand it. He was confused. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Like, are, I don't think that would work, Jesus. <laughs> like, I, I, no. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Some experts have said being born again, uh, you, the, a, a translation possible could be born from above, a, a different birth. Um, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. See, here's the aha moment. Nicodemus was a religious ruler in his day and age. Nicodemus would have been uh, trained inside and out on the Old Testament scriptures. Nicodemus would have known very clearly that the Old Testament taught that outside of a relationship with God, outside of God, you are spiritually dead. King David, someone they loved and, and would have modeled their faith after, King David said, surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. The Old Testament is filled with passages that when it comes to to, to, in being in a relationship with God, on our own, we are dead. Like what Jesus is saying, Nicodemus should have understood from the perspective of, of spiritual truths that, that he had been taught. Because here's the rub. Jesus had to say, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. See, Nicodemus had been taught, had been trained, and probably sadly believed that the reason why he was a member of the kingdom of God is because his passport had been stamped with the family tree of Abraham. Like Nicodemus had heard and learned that, that because he was an Israelite, because he was a Hebrew, because he was a descendant of the 12 tribes of, of Jacob, him and God were good. He thought it was because of the flesh that he had, the, the genetic code that was passed on to him, that he was going to get into the kingdom. And Jesus' words were very clearly aimed at a man who believed this, and, and Jesus wanted him to know, you must be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Like Nicodemus, the path you think that leads to heaven, the fact that, that you are a part of Abraham's family tree, uh, and, and, you're, and you're using your biology to be your get-into-heaven-free card is not true. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Like, this happens invisibly. This isn't visible and physical. This is spiritual and invisible. How can this be? <laughs> still scratching his head, still confused. Jesus is going to go on. And Jesus said, you are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? It should be clear, but your heart is clogged. You're confused. So it doesn't shock me that it's confusing when Christians say, I'm born again. Or might ask someone, are you born again? And you might be confused. Or when someone 
labels themselves as a born-again Christian, you might wonder, well, what does that mean? Where did that come from? Well, well, here's the thing I want you to see, and I want to unpack the fact that Jesus uses the terminology, the fact that it's biblical and comes out of his mouth, it's actually one of only two times that the phrase is found in the Bible. You heard one read before by Jake from 1 Peter chapter 1. Jesus uses it two times here. That's it. That's the list. And yet you, Jesus makes it very clear and gives us some insight about this phrase that will help you appreciate it and will help you apply it. So let's look again at the phrase in and of itself with the context now being shared, the person that he's speaking to. Jesus replied, very truly, amen, amen, truth, truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Like Nicodemus, what you think gets you in does not. You must be born again. No one, in other words, on the opposite side, everyone must be born again. Like flesh gives birth to flesh. The DNA that you have, the genetic code that, that your parents passed on to you is great, but you must be born again. The spirit gives birth to spirit, the invisible. Here's truth number one about the phrase to help you not be confused. The reality is being born again, according to Jesus' own lips, the son of God who does not lie, being born again is essential. It is a must. A, a person must be born again. To, to which Nicodemus asked the right question, how? <laughs> like his confusion caused him to think, my mom can't birth me again. <laughs> and mom was probably like saying, I don't want to. <laughs> like, no. So how? Like Nicodemus, in his religion, up, religious upbringing of the Pharisees, would have thought of, what do I need to do? Give me the checklist. Like, what do I have to apply for? What, what class do I have to go to? What things do I need to do in order to be born again then? Like, give me the list so I can do it, so I can earn my way into heaven. No, being born again is not a, a thing that you do. You, or you, or me. So how? Like, if I must be born again, but I can't do anything to be born again, it... How? We'll go back a few chapters to John chapter 1, and, and John makes it very clear about how one is born again, how one can be a part of the kingdom of God, how one can get on the inside of the kingdom, be a part of that family, have the security, have the protection, have the peace of being a part of the kingdom. Like, Jesus paints that picture, like, you must be born again to be inside the walls in, the, in order to receive the security, in order to have the benefits of being a part of of God's kingdom, you must be born again. John chapter 1 says, Yet to all who did receive him, believe in Jesus. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision or a husband's will. Like mom and dad didn't make a decision to have a baby. Mom and dad didn't have, uh, make the decision to, for you to be spiritually reborn again. It, 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 being spiritually born again is God's doing. God's work, God's action. Like God is the one who gives new life. God is the one who makes you his child. We might use that phrase, I'm a child of God, I'm a member of God's family. Literally born again is much the same thing. In the, in the waters of baptism, we talk about how God gives new life, forgiveness of sins, and salvation. You've been spiritually born, born again. 
born of God. Like, here's the reality about being born again, that spiritual nature. Look at the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, because people were confused by it. How does this happen? No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Like, here's the thing to help understand it and apply it, to appreciate it. First and foremost, you must be born again. But how, Nicodemus' question was, your question should be, how or am I? If I must be born again, how does it happen? Being born again is not a you thing. It's not having the right pastor do that thing. It's a God thing. It's the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus talked about him, the spirit works, he's invisible. Like just like the wind blows this way or that way, you can't see it. It's invisible, but it's doing its work. (laughs) And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He creates faith. He gives faith. Through the means of grace, the gospel found in the word and the sacrament of baptism, the Holy Spirit has made you God's child. The Holy Spirit has made you a member of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit has given you new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's doing, you have been, every Christian is born again. I mean, the Bible's clear on it. You are born into this world dead and only God can give life. But through the means of grace, God has given you spiritual life, born spiritually, born from above, born again. And now you're like, well, I'm not confused about the phrase. I'm just confused about a whole lot of other stuff. Sorry. Wait for next week. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like, do you kind of get it? Like, maybe you've never heard pastors talk this way. and, And I would tell you, your pastors don't talk this way because there are other churches that talk this way. And it's built off other things that confuse But maybe, just maybe, it's about time we, we understood it and appreciated it so we could apply it. <laughs> See, those two truths are real. It's a God thing, and it's a must thing, and it happens through the Word. It, it happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jake read before from 1 Peter chapter 1. You have been born again. He's referring to those Christians. He's referring to you right now. All who have the gift of faith, all through whom uh, the power of the word, the Holy Spirit, is brought into a relationship with God. They have faith in God by his doing. You have been born again, not a perishable seed. The reality is, flesh gives birth to flesh. Like, my parents are aging. Their bodies are breaking down. They are perishable. My eyesight is horrible now. The older I get, my body's going to break down. I will die. That's a part of the world in which we live. Flesh gives birth to sinful flesh. Flesh gives birth to... Flesh that will one day pass away. But not being born again. You've been born of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. It's God's word at work. The gospel found in the the word and the sacraments that has created new life. People are like grass. Their glory fades. The grass withers. The flowers fall. But the word endures forever. And that's the word that was preached to you people 2,000 years ago. That's the word that's been preached to you. That's the word that was shared right there at that baptismal font. I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's Barrett's God. That's your God. That's the triune God. The one who promises that in the waters of baptism, you have new life, forgiveness, and salvation. 
The God who creates hearts in the faith of, of someone who's never come into contact with that word and they believe and, then, and say, I want to be baptized like the Ethiopian man was. Like that's the powerful word of God at work creating new life, born again through water and the word. See, here's the truth based on those two truths. In order to really apply this and appreciate this, I want you to understand this truth. Being born again isn't a type of Christian. It's not a special exclusive club. It's not a special adjective or verb that certain people get to use that isn't true of you. Being born again isn't a kind of Christian. It's true of every Christian. Every Christian. And if it's true of you that God, by his grace, has blessed you with the gift of faith, you know what that means to you? You are a member of the kingdom of God. You are on the inside of the walls. You have the security and the peace that comes from a relationship with God. You have the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Jesus has rescued you. You have access to the throne room of the king of heaven and earth. And he will not swing his sword and chop you down, but he will put his arms around you and welcome you in. That is a part of being born again. And the inheritance that you get is greater than any riches you would ever receive this side of heaven. Like being born again isn't a kind of Christian. It's true of every Christian. I want you to appreciate that so that you can apply that. Like and maybe just maybe putting it side by side on a chart is the best way to do it. Like born and born again. They're two different things. When you talk about life, one is physical, one is spiritual. There's no fill in the blanks here, so you're good. Just leave this up on the screen. One's physical, one's spiritual. Being born to this life means your, your lungs work and your eyes open. And while sin affects all those things, your heart beats, you, you enter this world and, and that's physical life. You've been born. And the doctor hits you on the back and you start crying. Spiritual is born again. It's not visible like the other one is visible. It's, it's invisible. It's spiritual. Like that life is two different things. What about the process? Well, life is the biological process. Wait till high school class or maybe eighth grade, you'll learn a whole lot about in biology about the reproductive system, how this works. God designed it in Genesis 1 and chapter 2 when he said uh, to Adam and Eve, reproduce, like uh, you will reproduce after your own kind, be fruitful and multiply. It's biblical, but it's biological. It's godly designed. That's the process. Spiritual also has a process. It's the Holy Spirit at work through the means of grace. It's not a, a husband and wife making a decision, let's try for a baby uh, and let's have kids. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work through the means of grace, invisibly at work through water, through the word, the gospel found in the word and the sacraments. The, the word is the power. Baptism is an amazing blessing. It connects something visible that we can see and touch to the amazing blessings of God because the word is the power. The people well, there's some similarity to the people part. Uh, when you think about the people when it comes to being born, uh, you are born into a network of people who hopefully love each other. You're born into a network, mom, dad, hopefully, who love each other. Maybe siblings who hopefully love you. Maybe extended family. You're born into a network of people who hopefully love each other. And the same is true on the other side. When you're born again, you're born into a network of people spiritually who aren't perfect, <laughs> But the difference is they know the love of God and they want that love to be known by you and love you as well. Even greater is in the people line, God the Father is not like an earthly father. 
Like his love is unconditional. He will always be there. He will never run out on you. He will never treat you harshly. He might discipline you, but it's always with love. Like that's the father. You're in his presence. You're a part of that family. He's your people. Jesus is your brother. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is the power source at work in you. Like that's your people because you've been born again. What about the purpose? Well, the purpose is the same in some ways, right? The purpose of, of when you're born, the purpose is to, to grow up mature and eventually get kicked out the door. Like I learned this this last week. I thought I was empty nesting since my son went away to college. You're not a true empty nester. I was confused until they're all married. Like so until you get all your kids married, you are not truly an empty nester. But once, you know, they're all married, that's your new family. You don't get to live here anymore. And they're like, we don't want to live there anymore. <laughs> Right? The purpose is to see them grow up. The purpose is to see them develop. From the, the time a baby is born, like my grandson Jalen, when he took his first breath, he's four months old now. He's chubbier and bigger and he's stronger. And a few months he'll be crawling and in a few months he'll be walking. And, and A to watch out, he's going to steal your toys and you're not going to like it. Like The goal is to see them mature and grow up, get wise, learn new knowledge, and eventually go, be on their own, independent. Spiritual maturity is a part of the the purpose as well. God wants you to come to faith, but not stay stagnant in your faith. He wants you to grow in your faith. We promised we're going to help bear it, and his mom and dad do that for him. God wants you to grow into spiritual maturity. There's a part of it that's very similar, but it's spiritual in nature because of the resources. Like the resources to help you achieve your purpose, your parents put food in the fridge and you get to open the doors. Your parents speak words of wisdom into your life to bless you along the way. There's words of encouragement. There's all sorts of resources that that your parents bring into your life to bless you. The spiritual resources, you have the word of God. Spiritual resources, you have people of God who've learned and and understand the truths to share them with you. There are loads of resources that are information center, but you have the book in your hand. It is the resource and you know what it unlocks for you? Not a refrigerator with amazing food, but filled with amazing spiritual food of truths that, that give you the resources of joy and peace and hope in heaven, which is the resources or the riches. Like you might be lucky and your parents might have a lot when they pass away and leave you an inheritance. Like, God bless you. That's great. But not everyone will. <laughs> like, if God blesses me with 90 years, my kids are going to be left nothing. Sorry. Because God's blessed me with a full life. And I probably will run out. Not so with those riches. <laughs> when you are born again, they are yours. When you are born again, they are eternal. When you are born again, uh, you did not get redeemed with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus and the riches of heaven are far greater than any gold or silver you could ever have. And you want to know what's great about everything on the right-hand column? The left-hand column can be all messed up. You might not have a, a present dad. You might not have a loving mom. You might not have resources now in your life. And you might think of being born has not been so good. But being born again is amazing and great. If you want to appreciate being born again, apply the amazing truth. You have a father who will never leave you. You have a brother in Jesus who loves you unconditionally. You, you have a God who's given you all the wealth and riches of heaven. And he wants you to know it and hold on to it. He wants you to get it so you can apply it and, and this week being born again, so much to appreciate it. 
because you were dead in your sins, but he gave you new life. When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. That's that spiritual blessings, the riches, the resources. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, through the power of God's word, the gospel at work, and the means of grace in the, in the sacrament of baptism, whom he poured on us generously through Jesus Christ, so that having been justified by his grace, born again, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. The appreciation of what that means. And here's the thing that I love. And when the power of the Holy Spirit is at work, when he creates faith, he keeps working. That confused man who came to Jesus that night, scared if he was going to get seen, three years later, maybe two, he was not scared to be seen at the foot of the cross. Like the disciples were nowhere to be seen. You know who it was who was at the foot of the cross taking the Savior off of it? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Like the confused man was no longer confused. <laughs> he believed in Jesus. He had been born again. He appreciated it. And he applied it by showing love to his Savior and, and burying him properly. Like he came to that room confused, but somewhere along the way, the amazing power of the Spirit that blew and no one saw it brought that man to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. Be born again, just like you, just like all Christians. It's a must. It's a God thing. And by grace, through faith, it's yours and mine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for grace and love that you've given us new life. We're born again. I, I pray we have a new appreciation for it, Lord, to, to know your promises and your presence is real in our life and all that it means spiritually, the resources that we have access to and the riches that will be ours. Lord, help us apply the truth to grow in that faith because of the amazing things that, that you have done and appreciate even more being born again into your family.